everyone, and welcome to our podcast. I'm Callie O'Dell. And I'm Lily Hagan. Thank you for joining in on today's episode. Today, we're going to dive in and talk about the infamous H.H. Holmes, America's first serial killer, most well-known for his construction of the murder castle. Imagine being on a business trip or vacation, looking for a place to stay. Renting out a room in a nice-looking hotel on a block in the middle of Chicago and never returning to see the light of day again. This story is extremely entertaining and definitely one of the most bizarre stories I've ever read about. If there could be a movie about a certain serial killer, this would by far be the best movie that could be created. Yes, definitely. Everything about it from his childhood history to the point where he was killed and even after his death. The entire story is extremely captivating and extremely disturbing. Before we get started, let's give the audience a brief overview without any spoilers, just to give them a little taste of what we're about to dive into today. So, H.H. Holmes was a hotel manager, but this hotel wasn't just any hotel. It was a murder hotel. If you went in to stay the night, you would never return to see the light of day again. Instead, you would be trapped in a room with soundproof walls, acid pools, trap doors, and gas fumes. Once you walked into the hotel, you would never walk out again. But this is just the start of the insane story of H.H. Holmes and his murder castle. So stay tuned while we dive into the history of this thrilling story of the serial killer. H.H. Holmes. So, let's start with his childhood. H.H. Holmes, previously known as Herman Webster Mudgett, was born in 1961 in New Hampshire. Holmes was actually born into a very wealthy family but he experienced a very troubled childhood. His father, a house painter, was an extreme alcoholic. His mother, who stayed home most of the time, was an extreme Methodist who preached the Bible and religion on him. As a child, Holmes was known for being a quiet kid, but well-behaved. But he would also get into trouble once in a while. He was actually caught multiple times stealing money from his neighbors, but not admitting to what he did once he got caught. He would give excuses that would lead the neighbors to believe it wasn't him and he was actually a good kid. It was later reported that Holmes would never look others in the eye, which turned out to be a medical condition called strabismus. This is known more commonly as cross-eyed. This condition prevents those who have have it to make eye contact, which sometimes leads to social anxiety. This was a big factor of his odd behavior later seen in his teenage years. He was also extremely bullied as a kid. He recalled a time when his bullies tricked him into entering a doctor's office where a skeleton was waiting, ready to terrify him. According to his memory, the skeleton was positioned with his arms up, ready to grab him as soon as he walked into the door. 
The bullies forced him to touch the skeleton, knowing that he was scared of anything morbid. During this age, he was actually terrified of anything to do with death, which becomes pretty ironic as our story continues. His fear of death is actually said to have led to his fascination and unhealthy obsession with death and killing others. As much as the skeleton terrified Holmes, it also intrigued and captivated him in a way that he didn't know he could be captivated. Despite being bullied, he was still a very smart kid. He showed interest towards medicine at a very young age. He was known as the intelligent, shy kid in the classroom who was very interested in science. His obsession with learning and science led to his hobby of dissection. He would actually find animals outside and dissect them for fun, whether they were dead or alive. This is definitely a sign that he probably shows that he was a different kid, taking in, that, taking in the fact that he would do such disturbing things as a child. Fast forward 10 years later, Holmes graduated high school and got a job as a teacher. This is where he first met his very first wife. Yes, I said first wife, Clara Levering. Levering recalled how she was extremely attracted to Holmes. His personality was sweet. He was a gentleman and she felt safe and comfortable around him. But she also remembers him getting very jealous. After seeing Clara talk to another boy at an event, Holmes went up to him and told him some type of threat that terrified the innocent boy. He never attempted to approach Clara again, as he was terrified of Holmes and what he would do if he did talk to Clara. Clara also remembers being a bit disturbed by Holmes and his desire and insistence on sex. But after about a year of dating, they got married on July 4th, 1878. They eloped, scared that their parents would not approve of their marriage. Clara and Holmes' parents did not approve of their relationship as suspected, but they continued on with their marriage. Holmes then got a job at Clara's uncle's grocery stores, packing bags at the register. He worked here for about a year, but he didn't get paid enough for him to live with Clara. She continued to live with her parents while Holmes searched for another job that would pay well enough for him to buy a home for the two of them. Together, they had one son, Robert Mudgett, in 1880. Holmes decided to move on to his dream job, becoming a doctor. He enrolled at the University of Michigan Medical School. While Holmes was studying at the university, Clara stayed at her parents' house with the baby. While attending the university, he was accused of stealing bodies, disabling them, and attempted to collect insurance by saying that they died in accidents. His roommate recalled that Holmes would keep chemistry supplies in his bedroom, mysterious liquids, bottles, heating devices, and more. But when his roommate would enter Holmes' room, Holmes would become furious, almost like he was trying to keep something hidden and he didn't want his roommate to find it. Also, a cleaning lady at the dorm hall would occasionally do room checks and clean up the dorms. You know, throwing away trash, checking the rooms for stuff, and cleaning the halls. When entering Holmes' room, she would find extremely strange things, just like the roommate did. 
one time she found a can full of nails stuffed up into his closet. An even more disturbing surprise was found underneath his bed, a dead baby's body. She was frightened, but just assumed it was for a medical project and tried to ignore the disturbing discovery. His fellow classmates remember that he had a strange obsession with cadavers and he would be overly excited and anxious to get to work when they were dissecting dead bodies. He was extremely interested in medicine, but he didn't have enough money to continue school, so he dropped out and moved back home to become a teacher once again. He was a very aggressive, mean, and hard on his students. After one year of teaching, he was fired. Clara, Robert, and Holmes moved to Michigan, where he resumed studying at the University of Michigan. They were finally all living together, but everything wasn't all great and happy. Holmes and Clara fought often. The neighbors would see her with black eyes and bruises on her body. Holmes stated that Clara and the baby were slowing his work down when really she was the one paying for his medical bills and he wasn't providing any money for the family. Eventually, she left Holmes before he finished college. After her departure of the family, he was left alone to start his journey of his new life. But he wasn't upset by her leaving. He would actually talk about how he was glad she had left because now he could start his new chapter of life and become successful without anyone holding him back. After graduation, Holmes moved back to New Hampshire, where there ended up being a smallpox outbreak. Holmes went around his town and sold his medications and vaccines to the public for 25 cents each. After not getting much business for his vaccines, he started going around saying that he was a professional doctor and the vaccines were issued by the government, which obviously was completely false. The money that he got from the vaccines, he then used to rent a small office, which he turned into his personal laboratory. At his laboratory, he was trying to create a patent medicine, which would cure a wide variety of illnesses. He was building the perfect situation for a scam. After having lots of unpaid bills and no money to pay them off, he would lie to the people he owed money to trying to get out of a debt situation he put himself in. Later, his landlord at Holmes office place stated that he had never seen a man that was a more accomplished liar than Holmes. He could tell as beautiful a lie as you've ever heard and you would have to work hard to bring yourself to doubt him. After not being able to pay off his debt, Holmes moved to Chicago where he per pursued his plan of being a pharmacist. This is when he changed his name to the one we know today, Henry Howard Holmes, or better known as H.H. Holmes. He also began to pursue his real estate business. While being a pharmacist at a local drugstore in Chicago, a young customer died after taking pills that he had prescribed. 
Around this time, he got married to his second wife, Myrna Belkamp, and Holmes and Belkamp then had a daughter, Lucy, in 1889. Holmes then settled down with Myrna and Lucy and spent most of his life in Illinois, not telling Myrna that he was still married to his first wife, Clara Lovering. But the drama doesn't end there. Holmes then married his third wife, Georgiana Yoki, in Colorado the year of 1894, not long before he was arrested for fraud. That's right, he was married to three women at once and the father of two kids. While he was married to his three wives, he also had a relationship, relationships with his employees, some of who actually became future victims in the murder hotel. Holmes was still married to his three wives when he was put to death in 1896. Now that we understand the background of our serial killer, let's get to the murder hotel. Holmes was known for his likable personality. He was a fashionable, intelligent, and charming man. He had an innocent, kind personality, which was used to his advantage when plotting his plan for drawing in victims to the hotel. In the year of 1887, Holmes bought an empty lot across the street from where he worked. He began construction on a three-story building which he said was going to be used for shops and apartments. In just a couple of years, this would soon become the address for the hotel. The building contained over 100 rooms and took up an entire block. Holmes planned out every floor differently. The first floor would contain storefronts, which could be rented out to open new businesses in the city. The second and third floor would contain rooms. And the basement was the place where especially unlucky victims would end up. In order to keep the true purpose of the hotel a secret to only himself, Holmes would switch architects frequently throughout the construction process of the building so no one involved in the construction would be able to realize the death trap that he was being that was being created right in front of their eyes. Every so often, Holmes would fire the workers if he thought they were seeing too much or if they were suspicious of the building process. After all, the blueprints included 100 rooms that had no windows, 51 doorways that opened up to brick walls, trap doors, stairs that led to nowhere, fumes that let out gases into bedrooms, and a body-sized chute that led to the basement. There were rooms that had no doors and doors that had no rooms. The castle was a trap that would take the lives of many. It was finally completed in the year of 1892. After many contractors, workers, and builders, the hotel was done and open for business. Two years later, in 1894, Police would be discovering the horrors that were hidden behind the walls of the hotel while H.H. Holmes sat behind bars. 
Holmes had called his hotel the World's Fair Hotel in order to draw tourists that were arriving for the Columbian Exposition. It is said that Holmes' victim of choice were young females that were looking for an exciting new life in the city. The murder castle that he designed was a perfect trap to any willing victim. For four years, he held various guests prisoner, torturing and then killing them. It is said that in the castle, rooms were sealed shut. Others were lined with iron plates and had blow torches built into the walls to burn his victims. When police investigated the hotel, they had found jars of poison, boxes of bones, and even Holmes' very own crematorium. He also had tubs of acid that had the ability to dissolve any body in only hours. It seems like H.H. Holmes thought of every single way someone could die and put it into the hotel. If he did not burn or dissolve their bodies, it is said that after murdering his victims, Holmes would sell the corpses to nearby medical schools. Oddly enough, None of the schools ever questioned how he got the bodies he was selling to them. Holmes was finally arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894, after he was caught attempting to use another corpse in an insurance scam. When he was in custody, he admitted to completing 28 murders. But only a few of the claimed victims were actually dead with some of the 28 people he claimed to murder still alive and well. He also stated after his arrest that, I was born with the evil one standing as my sponsor beside the bed where I was ushered into the world, and he has been with me since. Basically stating that the devil has been his guardian who has stood beside him since birth. If that's not concerning, I truly do not know what is. In 1891, it is said that he murdered Julia Connor and her daughter Pearl. In 1892, he is said to have murdered a woman named Emmeline Kigrand and her sisters Minnie and Nanny Williams. It is said that Minnie and Holmes had a serious relationship, and Holmes ended up stealing all of her inheritance. Julia, Emmeline, Minnie and Nanny's bodies were never found, but it is said that Holmes most likely had sold their bodies to medical schools. He kept her claiming that Julia and Emmeline died while undergoing illegal abortions, a serious medical procedure that he actually performed himself on an operating table in the basement of his murder hotel. Both Julia and Emmeline were connected to Holmes, as Julia was allegedly Holmes' lover, and Emmeline was his former secretary, to whom he later proposed to. Although none of this can be proven for sure, it is said that while searching Holmes' hotel, authorities recovered Minnie's watch chain and Nanny's garter buckle in one of the ovens. There were also bones and hair in the basement that were said to be Pearl O'Connor's. One person is even to have said that they saw Holmes and his janitor haul out a 
big trunk on the day after her disappearance. Finally, the murders that caught him were the Bitzel family. The family consisted of, consisted of Father Ben and his three children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard. The family was killed during the fall of 1894. On July 15th, 1895, Alice and Nellie's bodies were found in a tornado cellar, Toronto cellar. Also, pieces that were claimed to be Howard's bones and teeth were found charred in a cottage Holmes had rented in Indianapolis. Finally, it is said that Holmes knocked Ben out and killed him by setting him on fire. Even though investigators had pretty solid evidence on the other murders, they only tried and convicted Holmes for Ben's murder. It was stated that one of his favorite methods of murder was locking his victims in their rooms, then turning on the gas. The gas pipes then became a blowtorch, which would set his victims on fire. With no doors, windows, or sounds reaching to the other rooms beside them, there was no escape. When Holmes was taken into custody, he was interviewed about his murders. As we talked about earlier, he claimed to have killed 28 people. In Holmes' chilling confession, he famously quoted, I was born with the devil in me. I could not help the fact that I was a murderer, no more than a poet can help the inspiration to sing. While he was in jail, Holmes wrote a 256-page account called Holmes' Own Story. In his book, he tried to convince the public of his innocence before he was finally convicted. Holmes finally received the death sentence in 1896. Before his execution, it is said that Holmes was acting very pleasant and calm. The only thing that he requested was that his body was, buried, was to be buried 10 feet deep in the ground with his casket encased in cement. What? Why would he do that? It is said that he requested that so grave robbers wouldn't dig up his body and use it for dissection. That's very ironic, if you ask me. Oh, for sure. Holmes was finally hung in Philadelphia a week before his 35th birthday. When he was hung, it is said that his neck did not snap. He instead had to die a slow death with his body twitching. He was finally pronounced dead 20 minutes later. After his death, the hotel was burned to the ground and later was replaced by a post office in the 1930s. Over the years, the story of H.H. Holmes has been passed along. So many different rumors were made up about him, and sometimes it is hard to draw the line between fact and fiction. Some say that on the day H.H. Holmes was sentenced to die, he actually escaped. It is rumored that he actually bribed officials to substitute a cadaver for his own body so that he could escape to South America.
The evidence behind that is from his old janitor, Robert Latimer, who is claimed to have seen a letter proving that Holmes conned his lawyer, priest, and jail officials into burying another man. But Holmes' story is filled with holes, like the South American town that he's supposedly escaped to. It never existed. So, this leads to the end of our story. On March 9th, 2017, the Delaware County Court granted permission for the request from Holmes' great-grandchildren, that's right, I said his great-grandchildren, that Holmes' body be exhumed. When the body was dug up, investigators first dug up a wooden box from 10 feet under the ground. This box was said to have maybe held the body, but was empty when opened. But the investigators continued to dig. Finally, underneath the cement found in the grave, they found a skeleton. This skeleton was found along with teeth, a necktie, and the remains of a mustache. When taken back to the Penn Museum, the body was examined, and based on DNA evidence, archaeologists believed that it was H.H. Holmes buried in the grave. Rumors and theories are continuing to be passed along from generation, but we can only follow the evidence. H.H. Holmes was one heck of a first serial killer. It's crazy that no one will ever know how many people he actually did kill. You're right. H.H. Holmes' story would definitely make one good horror movie. I think that is all we have for our story today. Thank you guys for listening, and make sure you know what kind of hotel you're checking into next time when you're staying out of town. See you guys later. Bye.